this guy been just money? Look and at him. Eight RBI night. <laughs> Look at him. All right, they started calling RBIs RBIs. They started keeping track of them in 1920. I, as a matter of fact, I remember the day. It was you were there. I was there. It was a little cloudy. You voted yes. <clears throat> Wind blown in. I voted yes. Um, Josh Naylor last night, Mississauga's own Josh Naylor, the Cleveland Guardians. Became the only player since RBI became official in 1920 to knock in eight runs from the eighth inning on in a single game. That's crazy. Uh, that was the three-run homer you heard, uh, courtesy of the Cleveland Guardians uh, network. Uh, he also hit a grand slam. Of course he did. After the eighth inning. Well, run. to get eight ribbies after the eighth inning, you're probably going to have to hit a grand slam to get eight ribbies. What, he hit a three-run homer? Yeah, and an RBI, an RBI double. Here we are, here we are, here we are. RBI double in the eighth. Uh, grand slam in the ninth and a three run blast in the 11th. Yeah, so that's awesome. <clears throat> so there he got, he got, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. He's got a good swing. Uh, the, when you, when you watched him against the blue Jays, you can see how short his swing is. You can tell he had plate coverage. You can tell he's trying to use the entire field. You can see he's got a two strike approach. He's got enough bat speed that he can hit high-octane velocity from about the sixth <clears throat> inning on is when you're going to face a bunch of those dudes that just throw a bazillion miles an hour. And it looks to me like he's got a, 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 a decent idea of what his mechanics are doing from the ground up. That, that's the one thing in 2022 that you have to know, uh, for me anyway. When you're watching these guys hit and how they're trying to lay off of that ball to strike, that tunneling thing that they always talk about pitchers trying to do, well, if you're a hitter, you got to try and recognize that. And how do you do that? have to put yourself in that best athletic position as quick as you can, as fast as I can get to it, get my front foot down and get that little separation. That allows me to recognize the pitch out of the hand. And you can tell that he's, and that sort of the guardian's way. Hey, is that, the, is that the right way to say it? Well, Where they're pesky and, and you know, they're battling every single at bat. Now he's a bigger swing guy. Occasionally, like he'll get frisky, big daddy hacks. Occasionally you got to do that. Cause you got grown manpower, but you can tell he's sort of bought into that Guardian's way. And with all the things that go into <clears throat> being Josh Naylor, well, it's sort of fun to watch him. You've got to remember, too, if you think back to that injury um, he had last year, a right fibula fracture, multiple fractures in his right fibula and torn ligaments. Uh, and it, it, if, if you think back to that particular injury, and we got to see it a lot on TV, and... Um, you know, he's a guy, and he'll tell you, he's a guy that in some ways the late start to spring training helped, right, because of the CBA. In, in, in some ways it gave him a little extra <clears throat> gave him a little extra time to get ready. Moving positions, too, for me, from the outfield to first base has helped him a lot. You know what that's it's, done? It's probably mentally it's had You're an impact as well. You're a first guy. Yeah, exactly. Don't go out there and run all over the place yeah. and have four-man outfields and figure out where you're trying to play and run it all. <laughs> And, and probably can't keep you healthy. They're killing a couple birds with one stone there, trying to keep him a little healthier, keeping him on the it's field. Also gotta and be, now he's only thinking about hitting. I was going to say, too, there, there also has to be that a little bit of that mental aspect as well. Uh, sure there is. You when know? you're when you're not great at something and they keep running you out there, I'm not <laughs> saying he's not athletic enough to play the outfield, but just to simplify it enough to go, okay, now you're playing a little first footwork around the bag, figure that out. Now it's about getting the foot down and getting it singing and – 
you can tell he's got a plan. And he's got enough talent offensively to catch up to velocity, which is we all know that everybody throws a bazillion miles an hour these days. And and the starter, what they they're only going about four point seven innings per mm-hmm. start. So now you have to figure you out ways. To, you're going to get velo and and velo, for, velo, and for velo. him to do that from the eighth inning on, you know, he's he's catching all them to throw bazillion and every yeah. single one of them guys that throw for the White Sox, even their starters. You got to have a plan, and the Guardians got to give them credit, one through nine. They may not always get hit, but they're hard out, and that's different. <laughs> got to be honest, that's different from a lot of the teams that you see. And well, we maybe talk- it plays this year. Yeah, maybe the Guardians will be the the, the sort of the sleeper team. I'm not buying it, but maybe they will be. No, it it is interesting though that they um, that they uh, they do seem at least. <clears throat> compared to the, the other teams we've seen the Blue Jays face, they seem to have chosen a different... Now, maybe a lot of it is... I'm sure a lot of it is financial too, right? They can't go out and add $35 million a year sluggers. But of all the teams that we've seen so far against the Blue Jays, they seem to be the team that is the... Their approach is the one that really struck you as different. How dare I say manufacture runs. Yeah, no, that's How a dare good, I say it's great. It's a great point. That's what they did. Uh, his home run, his grand slam came off Liam Hendricks. 99. 99. Elevated. That's even more impressive. You being left-handed, and you got to get on top of that thing. That's the one thing. You look at a, of reasons why offenses have struggled, and this is just me. Sinker, slider, combo from righties to a right-handed hitter. That's the one thing, and they're doing it with power. You get one moving one way, you tunnel the other one, it gets moving the other way. It's almost impossible for a hitter to go. That's about how much time you got from the time he releases it because of how hard they're throwing it to make up your mind where it's at, which way it's moving, and do I really want to attack this thing with some aggressive swing and actually think that I can hit it. So, And the elevated fastball to a lefty. It's it's when I I watch these guys and and you watch, you know it's even not with two strikes anymore. It's earlier in counts, and now you're trying to hit that and and lay off the breaking <clears throat> ball. It's hitting hitting's never been tougher, Jeff. The uh, Jays didn't play last night, hence uh, that's why we didn't lead the show talking about the Jays. They will open a two game series against the New York Yankees tonight with Yusei Kikuchi on the mound against Luis Severino. Kikuchi's second consecutive start, back-to-back starts against the same team. It happens to be the Yankees. Uh, We'll be joined at uh, 11, I'm sorry, at 11 o'clock by Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer, 11.30, Jake Storiali, host of Talking Baseball and Talking Yanks podcasts on John Boy Media. He will be along, and at 10.15, Mike Soroka will join us. We'll get an update from, uh, from Mike on where his rehab stands after those two Achilles injuries. Sinker slider guy, too. Let's ask him about the baseball. Sure. And what we, better guy to ask? Than... And, and we will have uh, Jay's tickets to give away as well. So let's talk about, before Mike Soroka joins us, let's talk about Yusei Kikuchi facing the Yankees. Last time out, we saw, I think, the we saw a step forward in the progression towards what the Blue Jays ultimately hope you say Kikuchi will be. I mean, he's learning the lessons that he appears to be applying the lessons that Pete Walker and and, and the staff has has given him. They, I think you're right. They sent him back out for another inning and basically rewarded him. You know, you've got to throw, sure throw guy a bone. When guy does what you've asked him to, you, you throw him a bone, you send him yep. out there again. So, now if you're the Yankees, you, I would think now know that 
he's going to throw the fastball more. He's got confidence in the splitter, and the the cutter is whatever you see. It's going to be a, it's going to be a slider. So if you're the Yankees, I don't think there's going to be any surprises anymore with Kikuchi, right? I don't think so. I, I so really, what do you? I, I really do. Well, fastball command will be his thing, and and command is a is a big word for him because he doesn't have to go on the black to both sides of the play. You can tell by hitter swings, the reaction, the way they take his fastball. It got something to it. Got a little giddy up to it. It's got some deception to it. It's got some life to it. And when you see good hitters, like in the last start with against the Yankees, fastball counts. He's throwing fastball hitters a fastball. That will tell you everything you need to know, especially him being left-handed. Now the slide, the slider, he's eliminated the cutter. Right. I know it'll look like occasionally a That's cutter. That's what I'm saying, but because if, because of the way he grips it, he's. But trying if you're to the get, Yankees, you're not even you're not thinking cut. You're you're thinking slider. I have no idea. Couldn't tell you what they're thinking. I just know he's going to throw a secondary pitch with something that breaks. It's more about what he's thinking. That uh, That's the thing. And, and again, if you want to look at their lineup, all three of his pitches got to be working. Now, obviously, it starts with fastball command. But like Judge, Judge don't like the off-speed pitch. That would make the split change important against him. Rizzo, was Rizzo don't like the, the breaking ball. That right. would make the slider important for him against that kind of hitter. DJ LeMahieu, I think, doesn't like off-speed pitches, so you're going to have to throw him fastball, you're going to throw him cha- split change-ups. So he's going to have to use all three to each hitter because each hitter has a weakness that's a different kind of pitch. So His last outing was really good. The Jays won two run. The only run, the only the only two one, the only run he allowed was a home run to Joey Gallo. Uh, looking at what he did to the top of the order, LeMahieu, Judge Rizzo. LeMahieu leadoff single. That was a race and a double play. Strikeout swing, two ground ball outs. This was a game Santiago Espinal had a really good defensive game as well. Aaron Judge struck him out the end of an eight pitch at back. The splitter got him called on strikes, struck him out again. I'm sorry, that was the bullpen. So he got him twice in strikeouts, once looking one swing. and walked him the other time. Rizzo got two ground balls, popped up to the third baseman. One of those ground balls was a double play. And yeah, it was it was really effective. It was a really effective outing. And you broke it down. Fifty-four strikes out of seventy-eight pitches, thirty-four fastballs he threw, twenty-four for strikes, only three swings and misses in the fastball. Um, seven fastballs uh for yeah. strike one. And he was strike one to thirteen of twenty one. I saw hitters. your face when you said only three <clears throat> swing and misses. The reason why that's not a big deal for me anyway, he's not nibbling. Okay. P- PD don't want him to nibble anymore. So three N- swinging. If you're if if they're making contact or look, turning into look at more how many he right. throws via the fastball and how many strikes he throws with it. That's a bigger deal than the swing and misses. He needs to get swing and misses on the split change. The slider. Ooh, I, I'm not real sure about that because sometimes. And by the way, his he, his swing and misses in the splitter. He threw four splitters for strikes. All of them were swings and yeah, misses. Yeah, they're they're in the strike zone, and and yeah. depending on how much pressure he puts on one of his fingers, whether he wants it to sink or not, or whether he wants a little bit more twelve six break, which is sort of keeping it in the strike zone. Don't nibble so much. Attack. Have the aggressive finish, which is what I've talked about forever since my son looked up at that scoreboard and saw it's 92 miles an hour and the flag went up and went, hey, no, you didn't give him 36 million large to throw 92 miles an hour. And then you start asking questions and you understand what they're trying to do in the finished product. And so tonight, if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, fastball command, attacking with it, not nibbling with it. So he's getting ahead's a big deal. And then the slider, he's eliminated the cutter. It'll occasionally look like a cutter because of the mile per hour and the way it's moving side to side. He's choking it off. He wants to, it's arm slot 
and it's finished. And you'll see him occasionally. He'll get it out there. Like sometimes you see Alec Manoa getting it out there and sort of using that. I got to flip that thing. That's sort of what he's trying to do. And a lot of that's arm slot. You get just get so used into a habit of using that one certain pitch that occasionally, you know, the way he throws his slider is against the seams. And he's going to put pressure on one of the fingers. Now, it's probably that middle finger that he wants to put a little bit more on now because he wants to break it off. And that 86, 88 range, that's his sweet spot. It's not 90. It's 86, 88. You see that? All He'll right, control a little bit more. He'll get some more swing and misses with it. If you're Charlie and you're the Blue Jays, he also had Tyler Heineman behind the plate. His he last did. start. Um, Alejandro Kirk, as bad as come around. Mm-hmm. Zach Collins is also on the roster. How do you play this if you're Charlie? Who starts playing yeah, the, the fi- plate for you? In the five starts, it's been three with Heinemann. It's been one with Kirk. It's been one with Collins. I know uh, Kirk is is better than he was. That's coming around a little bit. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's decent. Like. Seven for his last 24 with a homer and two RBIs in his last seven games. So it's it's a lot better. And we all know the, the offensive was that the Blue Jays have had. Uh, me, personally, this is just me. And with Severino having some issues, lefties are hitting 310, I think, off of, uh, off of Severino. That's why I would put Heineman in the game. I think he's a little bit better thrower because the the Yankees are going to put a little pressure. They they that's their thing now. They're not gonna they're not gonna stand back and just you know expect for the 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 RBI double with a runner on first or or the three run homer. I ain't gonna do that. They're gonna put a little pressure. You need a little bit better thrower, which is Tyler Heineman's a decent thrower. He's a good game caller. He sets up early enough and he's aggressive with the. Mm, Right there it is, man. I'm putting it down. And that's what you say needs. He needs that occasionally. You can't always have Petey coming out there putting his hand over his mouth going, dude, we worked on this. Like, And I think Heineman and that that back and forth is kind of nice to watch. So, for me. Yeah, Heineman is, look, this is a guy who didn't expect to be in the majors this year. Let's be honest. He gives you a decent at bat, too. But hey, He does. And, mm-hmm. and he's also, he's probably not, he's been around enough to know what, they expect to see from him with you say Kikuchi. And he's got no reason not to maybe go and light this guy up every now and then. Not light him up in the mound, but he's got no reason not we to walk out there We talked about you say, not gripping that exactly. and making it look like a cutter. We had that conversation. You can do that because, frankly, he's probably not going to be around next year. Not, uh, be nice. No, I'm serious. Be I'm nice. serious. If you're, ty- if you're Tyler Heineman, you've got, there's absolutely no reason that you can't. So you're going to go out there to you say and go, hey, I'm not going to be here next year. I'm going to light you up. No, but I, I would think that you might be more in, you might be more inclined to. Uh, I'm gonna, to yeah, speak you're truth. saying you're saying he'll be a little bit more stern with the yeah. with the conversation because Petey told him to tell him this. Yeah. Yeah. That's said, what you're trying to say. There, there's one thing you can do to, to stay in this game. You can become the Yusei Kikuchi whisperer. You know, he he's got Danny, a good heater, and, and, I, and I love he his and Danny target. Johnson can he's talk a, about having to work. He's a, he's a big nice he's a big target behind the play. He's not a big man, but he's a big target. He's, he's a good blocker. He's a guy he's who's a good caught, game caller. He's been around long enough. Yeah, I was going to say, how many games has this dude caught majors and minors? Like that's he's a, he's been around long enough exactly. to get guys through. And there's a, exactly. they're comfortable together, which is a big deal. And Severino has issues with throwing the change up and, and locating the fastball against lefties. You run him out there. Hopefully, maybe you run into one. That short porch and that that minor league park. That they play in. Yeah, the minor league park in uh, the Bronx. Yeah. That 396-foot minor league home run. 369. Uh, 369. Don't let it beat you. Well, 369s. Well, it's still. different. It's different 396. <laughs> it is, but it's still pretty uh, still pretty long. 
you know, 369 is not, it's not necessarily a cheapie. Yeah, Woody didn't like hanging out in New York for a couple of days while, while it was raining. Yeah, Woody and then, had it. And then get beat on a, on a check swing minor league homer <laughs> in, in the, you know, Dunedin. <laughs> hey, what, Woody's, Woody's going to have a long year with that team. Yeah, it's hard losing all the time. You know, you want to come to the big leagues. You're happy to have a big league job as a manager. Now you got some pieces. You got you've spent a lot of ton, of, a ton of money, and there's a little expectations there. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or they're going to even finish above five hundred. Five hundred, but it's got a. You can actually hopefully start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's up to the manager to sort of get everything in line. And when you're not, sometimes you get the, you get chapped. And you want to yell and scream. Aaron Boone's a pretty good talker, though. Ooh. So Aaron Boone is. Aaron Boone, whenever you get, you know, you back him in a corner and, and then he's got uh, he's got to got talk about you. You got you you've got to be in, he's pretty in good New at York. It. You've got pretty to good at it. you gotta be able to gotta be able to entertain the masses in New York. It was a Joe Torrey always used to say, the more time I spend in the dugout talking to you guys, the less time you guys are in the clubhouse bugging them guys. Which is true. Joe Torrey had it figured out that you can as something other managers, I, I've just, it, to me, it would be your job one as a manager, frankly, what, not job one, but one of the things you have to do as a manager is keep the media out of the clubhouse. Salesman. And the way you do that is you entertain folks. You have them sit in your office for half an hour so that all the players, and Gibby was good at this too. He was. Gibby would, I mean, you'd, you'd talk about music and sometimes politics and, and, oh, and then you'd have to, you know, you'd have to put up with Gibbyisms and all that. And it'd be funny. Then you'd look at your notebook. You'd go, okay, I got basically one useful thing out of half an hour. <laughs> I got to go out and talk to Russ Martin and, oh, Jesus, they're out in the field already taking batting practice. And yeah. Gibby got you again. That is an art. And that is, that is, you know, that that's something we've kind of lost with, we lost a little bit over Zoom meetings, but a ton of managers are like that. Jim Fergosi was like that. Yeah, see, see Fergosi the, wouldn't want you to sit around and have a cigarette. The better, with him. the better that the Blue Jays get with Charlie here. Charlie's got to get a little better at that too. Like just, just the look over there while the player's going that way. Hey, over here, he's got to get a little bit better. At, you know, he is better when you're around him and you and you, you know, you, the camera's not in his face. He is. He's good. He's good at that back and forth and having a conversation about certain players and why they're not getting their things done. And it's, it is. It's an art. And I think that's the first thing when you're hiring these managers, especially nowadays, you got to be a good salesman. Boys, uh, why don't we take a break and come back with Mike Soroka? Uh, Soroka? I almost called him Mike Soroka. Oh, I don't want to do that. Mike Soroka will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we have tickets to see the Jays and Mariners on May 17th. We'll give it away. Give it away. Give it away. We'll give it away in the 11 o'clock hour. Dan Schulman joins us at 11 o'clock. He'll be back in the booth calling the Toronto Yankees series at Yankee Stadium today. First pitch, 7.07. I better check that. I always get confused. With that. On, I do on, know, on, as you say, on, Kikuchi on, against on. Luis Severino. 7.05. <laughs> 7.05. There you go. I pick you up as usual. Yes, indeed you do. Um, well... 
I'm glad we're talking to our next guest because uh, we've had Mike Soroka on before and we've always enjoyed our conversations with him. And I'm really happy because my senses, my senses just from what I've been reading and, and, uh, and, and saw an interview he did with Ben Verlander as well, um, or heard an interview he did with Ben Verlander as well in Fox Sports. I'm getting the sense that we're getting to the point where we can start planning to see Hope so. Mike Soroka back on the mound mm. in a game, which is great. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's bring in Mike Soroka uh, of the Atlanta Braves. Mike, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We, we trust that you're doing well. Look, I hope that everything I'm reading and um, <clears throat> everything I'm reading and hearing uh, about the progress of your rehab, I'm, I'm hoping it's accurate and just wondering where are you right now and, and do you have an idea when you may be back? Hey guys, yeah, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. I uh, always enjoy talking to you guys at home. It's uh, nice to be on with the Canadian crew, but um, yeah, everything's going well. I think uh, I'm currently in Atlanta right now, um, kind of just finishing up some some last touches on you know our traditional rehab, and um, you know we should be kind of finishing up some bullpens here in the next little while, and then it'll be time to start kind of my spring training. Um, a lot of that for me is going to be basically just kind of opening it up to being an athlete again. Um, you know, we've pretty well wrapped up our straight line running phase and, um, you know, it's probably going to be, that's that's probably the most difficult for me, I think is, is that one. And now it'll just be a matter of some lateral movement, uh, you know, fielding bunts and, and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I think even just getting set up at, in the outfield or even in shortstop and have somebody kind of beat me up with ground balls, you know, just to kind of get, uh, get the feeling of being an athlete again, kind of put everything out of my mind and, and just, just be again, just be me. So, uh, it's exciting. Uh, I'm excited to do that. Uh, it's been, it's been a while. There's been uh, a lot of, a lot of hard work that's gone into it. Uh, to say the least, I guess. And, um, yeah, if everything kind of keeps going as planned, um, hopefully get into some rehab games sometime in June, early July and, um, yeah, shake the rust off and hopefully rejoin the club at some point, um, you know, kind of around all-star break. Now, for those who, uh, don't, <clears throat> don't, don't, can't remember, um, Mike, uh, has had a couple of Achilles injuries and anybody in sports knows about Achilles. The first one was August 2020, um, and then the second one was in in June 2021. And Mike, just again referencing the interview with with Ben Verlander, um, but between and I and I understand from the nature of Achilles injuries that it, it it's a very delicate surgery. And my understanding from this interview was that that the Achilles never really healed properly. Is that is that essentially what it what it came down to and, and basically they had to go back in and strengthen it again. Um, well, sort of. So, I mean, what happened is something we're probably never really going to know for sure. I think our, our best guess is, you know, that essentially that the tissue didn't form properly the first time, um, possibly due to, um, some fraying before the initial rupture and or even just a reaction to the sutures. That was, that was one hypothesis also that, that came out. And, um, 
essentially what had happened was the repair was being held on to by the sutures inside. Um, but no, I actually ended up fully re-rupturing, which I, it needed to happen. Um, and then they went back in and, you know, they, they did basically a traditional repair. Um, so they, they got in there, they cleaned away all the bad tissue. Um, they actually used a gracilis graft. Uh, so it's not one of my gracilis tendons, but, uh, a graft from a cadaver and, um, uh, basically wove that through my heel and then through my Achilles made the, made a solid repair with, made a bunch of good tissue. And, uh, right from day one, it was, it was pretty obvious that it was, uh, you know, successful, uh, compared to the first one. It, it wasn't even close. You know, I got the cast off and it was, it looked a hundred times better. It felt better. Um, and just this, this entire time in this rehab, everything's just gone as it should have the first time. So, um, you know, is this, Again, some things we might never know, uh, and of course, it was a frustrating to basically almost essentially waste nine months of your life. But uh, there's some lessons that I learned in there, and, and you know, some experiences that'll be uh, invaluable down the road for me. Mike, I, I can listen to you talk, and, and the confidence in in you know how you're coming back from this thing. You you can tell just by listening to you talk that that's going to be the hardest thing with this. It's not mechanics it's not arm slot it's not you know grip on the ball it's none of that it's just having confidence enough that you know when you're moving around nothing's going to happen have you had conversations with people that's maybe went through this before that can give you a vote of confidence that maybe would say once you're here once you feel it this way you'll have no issues going forward has there been any talks like that yeah i've been very fortunate um you know a staff in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the, the staff that basically works under my surgeon, Dr. Anderson, um, uh, two, two PTs, a, a PT and an AT that worked there, uh, that have basically worked with the only other double rupture that we know of in uh, Jake Berger, uh, plays for the White Sox. Um, his was a little different than mine. Uh, he re-ruptured only about three months after his first surgery, uh, but nevertheless had a, had a huge... Um, you know, had a huge hill to climb with, you know, the amount of atrophy and all that kind of stuff that goes on to just being off your foot for so long. Um, so it was, it was great to be able to talk to Jake. Um, you know, it took him, it took him quite a while to, you know, fully get back into everything. And he said the same thing. It was right around, right around where I'm at now. Um, you know, when things start to feel like they do, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, maybe doing something to make sure you get your mind off of it. You know, that can be as simple as, you know, playing ping pong. I think he actually got into tennis a little bit in his off season to, to just kind of move around on it and, and worry about hitting a ball as opposed to how he was stepping. Um, and I mean, we know at this point that, you know, it's, it's, it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's the repair is solid. Uh, we've tested that enough to know that that's, definitely not the problem it's just a matter of you know repatterning some things and making sure that uh you know i, I learn how to how to run again uh actually probably learn how to run for the first time i still run like a skate so uh, <laughs> that's uh that's gonna be important but um do stuff like that 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 will really just kind of help me in the long run 
You you being a guy that throws sinker slider, you know, you you pick up baseballs, you're a touch and field guy, those kind of things. Have you noticed ball, the baseball's been a big topic early in the season here? And I know you've been around the Braves and a bunch of the other pitchers who have been pitching and throwing baseballs. Alec Manoa, I got to be honest with you, just the first guy this year that I've seen with the Blue Jays that would grab a ball from the 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 catcher or the umpire and throw it as soon as he got it. Like he didn't even look at it. He just grabbed it and threw it. Obviously, he could feel it, that it felt new to him, whatever that feel was. He didn't like it. Has there been some talks? Have you noticed anything different about the baseball that would, you know, set a alarm off that says, man, why, why is the baseball like this? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think from a pitcher's perspective, I don't think we, I don't think we have too many things against this baseball. Um, <laughs> the uh, the thing too, I, I mean, I noticed one of my bullpens that I threw in Atlanta here when the team was in town. Uh, we actually got the bag of balls that you know it's, it's this year's baseballs. Uh, our rehab baseballs are you know just a mishmash of. You know, former years, it, it doesn't really matter. We're just getting out there and getting working. But uh, when we threw a bullpen and, and we had it, both both Kirby and I both noticed, you know, the ball seemed, you know, just more supple, I guess I would say. It just that the, the leather seemed a little different. And the seams were definitely raised from where they had been in previous years. Um, you know, and it's just a – it's something that, that – <laughs> I think they have the analytics to prove. I don't think I'm, I'm breaking, you know, I don't think I'm breaking any news here because now everybody's seeing all the numbers. We see all the fly balls that are getting hit, you know, 110 miles an hour um, that are just kind of dying at the track. It uh, seems that you almost need a, a perfect amount of backspin on a low trajectory to, to really get the ball out in some places. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's, again that the flat spots on it are coming back and which is something we actually heard about in previous years prior to probably 2018 mm-hmm. uh when you had a hard hard ground ball hit you just get the ball back and even if it was scuffed already you had to get rid of it anyways but with that little flat edge on it um yeah it's just i i, I just don't understand why it can't be kind of a collaboration and and you know, it's obviously changing. So, I don't know. I think that's that's where everybody's kind of got the problems is that, you know, it just seems like it's uh, it's not being forthcoming with us. Mike, this is a little right. silly. This is a little silly question because I know what the answer is. But for people that don't know, when you pick a baseball up and you can know by I don't, I don't even have to look down at it. I can grab it until the seams are bigger. What does that do for your secondary pitch? As soon as you grab it and you say, ooh. It's bigger. What would that tell you about what you can now do with your secondary pitch? Yeah, I, I mean, for me personally, honestly, I didn't mind the smaller, coarser seam balls. Uh, I found they actually, when spun properly, you know, they did more for definitely my sinker mm-hmm. uh, was the big one, um, you know, for whatever reason that was. But I noticed right from coming up from the minor leagues, you know, all my all my pitches were moving more. It fastball, changeup, slider—they were all moving more. But I did have to be more—I I did have to be more careful with my breaking ball. I had to make sure I got around it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for most of these guys um, is being able to kind of hold on to that ball that last, 
you know, that last millisecond to make sure you get around it and throw your slider properly. Um, you know, someone like Alec Manoa, obviously he's already got a pretty, pretty incredible slider. Uh, you know, seeing one of the ones, seeing some of the ones he's thrown this year again are like, you know, it's, you know, it's a true, it's a wiffle ball pitch yep. at that point. Um, and which I honestly, I like to see, I think it's, it's, it's awesome that that's where I get my enjoyment out of playing baseball. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's just probably better grip at the end of the day. Um, and then obviously if they're, if they're a little softer and they're not going as far, again, probably another advantage for the pitcher. Um, you mentioned Kirby. I presume you're talking about Kirby Yates. Now he is rehabbing as well. And he was a guy that the Jays signed and well, he was hurt. They never really saw much of him. What, have you been able to talk to him a little bit and just kind of get a sense of kind of what he's going through and, and, and what it takes? I mean, I know you've had firsthand experience rehabbing, but having a guy who's been around a while, has it maybe helped things a little bit? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you know, it's a good presence to have around. It's been basically me and him. Um, we've on very similar throwing programs. Um, you know, obviously at some point I'm going to need to kind of move ahead and start building up, but, mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's had some challenges on his own that, that he's had to go through. Obviously he had a revision also cause he had, he had Tommy John much, much earlier in his career. Um, you know, and, and talking about some of that stuff, uh, seeing the work that we both do and honestly playing catch with somebody, uh, that can give you pure, honest feedback is also really important. Um, you know, that's why you know, I'll choose a throwing partner. We're throwing into a net every single day and, uh, someone with experience like Kirby is even better. Uh, we kind of get to to feed off each other, give give good feedback, and uh, yeah, it's really important. It's 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 awesome. I'm I'm glad to have him during this process. The uh, the Braves gotten off to a, <clears throat> a little bit of a slow start. Have you seen anything differently now having Ronald Acuna Jr. back? You know, uh, hitting home runs and falling at home plate is kind of cool to watch. You know, you like to watch the spin on the breaking ball. I like to watch homers. It's kind of cool. And to watch him play is, you know, sort of second to none. Slow start. Is that, you know, can you blame that on winning a World Series and that's why you gotten off to a good slow start? Or is it just, you know, that's the nature of a, of a season is you have some up and ups and downs? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of both. I think most everybody will tell you at least to start the very, uh, you know, the very beginning of the season where we still had all, uh, you know, world series festivities, celebrations going on. It didn't feel like it was quite over. It didn't feel like the page had turned yet. Um, so I, I mean, I understand that. And I think, you know, at this point, you know, we see the starts of the Mets are off too. And, and we see some other teams in our division and, and, you know, it's kind of a kick in the butt. All right, here we go. Let's go. Let's go. We got to, we got to start winning games here or else we're going to be in a pretty big hole. And um, we were able to climb out of it last year. Um, you know, I think we were not too much different. I don't think we were in a great place in, in about June. Um, but we were able to kind of climb out of that because not, you know, no other team in our division had really separated themselves. Um, but this year, you know, it's, it's a different Mets team. Um, you know, they've got some, some internal leadership also with, you know, show Walter, um, you know, he's, he's proven we've heard, you know, what he can do through some of our players and, and the manager that he is. And, um, you know, it's a different club now. So I think we know we got to start winning games and, and I think it's they're doing. And I think Ronald provides that as well. 
Um, you know, I always said like Ronald and I are both in similar shoes in the sense that we both felt we would have been a bigger part of the championship team if that were to happen in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And kind of having to watch that from the sidelines, we both get to join this season kind of with a fresh, you know, fresh competitiveness that I think, you know, isn't necessarily missing, but is, is, could be a big help to the team. Yeah. Um, you know, it could help it feel like, feel like a new team again, give them a boost. Uh, obviously Ronald's back now. Uh, hopefully Kirby and I can join the team at some point later this season and kind of provide that, um, you know, that, that trade deadline boost. Um, so it's been exciting watching Ronald. He's, I mean, he's a freak. Uh, you, you said it, it's yep. kind of second to none watching him and, um, you know, seeing the balls that, that he hit, even, even if these baseballs are softer, he still hit that ball 450, <laughs> yeah, he did. uh, on the back, backside gap there, uh, the other day. And, and, uh, yeah, he's special. It's been, it's been cool watching him and, and what he's going to be able to do. And this injury really isn't slowing down at all. If anything, I kind of think it, Gave him a chance to work on some other things, and uh, you know I think you're going to see him be in MVP talks for a long time. Mike, listen, really good of you to join us today. We're glad that you're doing well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back on the mound soon, and uh, the next time we chat with you, hopefully it's after that first win. Can't wait. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Be well. See That's you, Mike. Mike Soroka, Calgary's own Mike Soroka. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, and it, you know, it, as, as Mike was talking, <clears throat> I went back and we did an interview with Alex Anthopoulos. Um, you know, I don't even know the date of it, but it was after the World Series, and um, we're talking about, and we've mentioned it in this show several times. How, if you look at teams that have long World Series runs or long windows of contention. Two things are apparent. One, you need to have a core of your own players, but you also need to kind of refresh it every now and then, refresh the mix. And the Yankees did that, right? They would bring guys in, David Justice. I mean, they brought all sorts of guys in during that run, guys who, I mean, it wasn't wasn't that there's anything wrong with the clubhouse, but there's never nothing, there's never anything wrong with having a guy in there who is hungry, hungry, wants to win a World Series. And I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't even thought of that in terms of Mike Sorokin, Ronald Acuna. And when Mike mentioned it, I'm thinking, okay, if you're the Braves and the all-star break, you get, you've you've got Acuna coming back now. And he's, you know, he wasn't, he didn't play last during the World Series. You've got Soroka coming back. You maybe have Kirby Yates coming back at the back end of the bullpen. I mean, you've got guys who missed out on the party last year in some ways. That's, I, and I hadn't thought of it until Mike, until Mike put it that way. But just imagine, if you're the Braves and you do get Mike Soroka back and he's Mike Soroka before the Achilles. And, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy, quite frankly. Cy Young contender. And you would start in a playoff. Absolutely, you'd start in a playoff series. Sure would You'd have be. no problem having him. If he's fully healthy, you'd have no problem sure, having him sure go game be. one. But Mike said it about the, the Mets being that much better and the Phillies having a lot to prove. They're gonna have they're gonna have to hurry. Oh, you roll your eyes about the Phillies, but they still got a lot to prove. Like they're they gotta they gotta come to the party a little bit. And uh, the Braves will be fine. Bra- Braves, Braves will be you fine. know, they will be, but it's they'll be fine. 
Talk about where you think you want to be at the yeah. end of the season. You want to win that division or you want to make the playoffs? Well, I think the other thing, too, with Alex is I, if they're in a position to contend again. Sure I, he will. You know that Alex isn't afraid, one of the best afraid GMs to get creative. Isn't afraid to get creative. And, and I will say this. You know, one of the things that not re-signing Freddie Freeman did is it gave them a certain, certain amount of wiggle room. Uh, at, at the uh, at the trade deadline. I mentioned that uh, we're giving away Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio, on our podcast, or indeed watch us on Sportsnet 360. Now, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it to 595-90. Yesterday, we asked you, what year did the Seattle Mariners play their first MLB season? The answer was 1977. Today's question is to win tickets to the Jays and Mariners at the Rogers Center on Tuesday, May 17th. I think you would have got this one. I would have had to think about it a bit. Which Mariners pitcher holds the team record for most all-time strikeouts? Again, which Mariners pitcher holds the team record for most all-time strikeouts? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590, and uh, we will have more tickets to give away next week. <clears throat> I would have, I, I, my first reaction to it would have been, an, it, it's probably a trick question. Yeah. But then, no. Once no, you think it's about not it, it's question. not a trick question. I want to say, yeah. oh, I shouldn't have gave it Don't, away like that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a hard Anyhow. question. Anyhow. Uh, 590-590 is a text line again. Which Mariners pitcher holds the team record for most all-time strikeouts? Your chance to win tickets to see the Jays and Mariners at the Rogers Center on May 17th. Dan Schulman joins us. Jake Storiali, host of Talking Baseball and Talking Yanks podcast on John Boy Media in the next hour. The It was interesting hearing Mike talk about the baseballs <laughs> and just the difference he has noticed in in bullpen sessions and you're wondering, just to clarify something, um, what Mike was saying is when it, the bullpens you're throwing when you're with the major league team are generally you're using that year's balls. Some of the other rehab, like when you're just playing catch, you're just, you're using, yeah, yeah. you're using, any I ball, mean, you can any use any ball, any ball. <clears throat> any ball. so uh, we've already talked about how guys can definitely feel the difference, but that was interesting hearing him, hearing him talk about the seams. I look. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy that states the obvious about the baseballs and how much the 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 they're throwing breaking balls. Just listen to Mike talk. There's a reason they're throwing breaking balls. Absolutely. If you can make it break more and you can have it tunnel longer, why which you is do exactly why he what he's talking about. And I asked him that question. I knew what the answer was, but I wanted to hear a pitcher yeah. say it that I don't even have to look down at it. And maybe you're ta- you're thinking about. Uh, Alec Manoa throwing those baseballs out. He grabbed a ball that has bigger seams. That's fine. I like that boy. That thing's spinning like crazy. He grabbed a ball that don't have small seams. You chuck that thing out. Now, you, you noticed that he didn't even look down at it when he was throwing no, them out? No, that's – you made that point, and I went back and looked. And yeah, he he was he would catch a ball like that. And, and, no, and, he'd put it in his glove. He'd look at it. Yeah, but I, mean, but, I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't look at it. He'd catch the ball, he'd go like that, and he'd, like, just get rid of it. He wasn't – it wasn't like he was sitting there and examining the ball. He could tell right away. If the away. new ball had the bigger <laughs> seams, and I like throwing it that way, why would I throw one that didn't have bigger seams? Why wouldn't you? Why, yeah. why I mean, would I throw why, Balls out <clears throat> has nothing yeah. to do with that ball being slick. I'm just telling you right now. And brand new baseball. It's it is it's not it, slick. It, it's funny because uh, 
I, I, I mean, I can remember, and I think uh, um, Buck talked about this early in the year, Buck Martinez, that, you know, there was a time where pitchers wanted, you wanted the ball a little scuffed. I mean, Dennis, anybody watch Dennis Martinez pitch? Dennis Martinez, the balls he was using, they were black because he would put chewing tobacco in his hand and he wanted a little dirt on it. The guy, there were times where pitchers scuff wanted it up, scuff it scuff up to the up. side you wanted it to break to. Yeah, you didn't want it as bright. You, you didn't want you didn't want it as white for the I've hitter to see. I've actually been able to see the scuff and told the umpire, "Hey, do your job. Yeah. Check the ball." I actually said that to him before. So yeah, yeah. anything that they can do to to rub it up or but if I grab bigger seam and I but throw it, one in the and the ball goes this way, I'm not going to throw it. It tells you something, doesn't it? That that now the the emphasis is on. I want that clean. I want that clean ball. It just tells you how pitchers, um, how bold they are now. Because like, uh, like I said, back in the day, you wanted the ball to stay in play for a bit. You didn't want it. Obviously, if the ball, you know, hits off a wall or something like that. <clears throat> but I would, I would ask someone, if you get a ball, this is something you could tell your kids. If they go to a ballpark and they get a ball, an in-game ball for whatever reason, whether it's a foul ball or whatever the hell it is, take a look at that ball and look at some of the older balls you'll see online. Like, I'm not talking the ones from 1920. Obviously, they're going to age. But take a look at some of the balls that people have put online from like two or three years ago or not that not that long, but five or six years ago. And just the difference, how, how dirty <laughs> those other balls are and how... Scuffed up those other balls are. It is, it's remarkable. I mean, I've got a, I've got a ball at home. I got one that Josh Donaldson hit, foul ball, and I got another ball that I got. I don't know. I, I, I picked it up someplace in spring, in in spring training, like in the 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 nineties with the Expos, and now it's a spring training ball, so it's going to be dirty yeah. or anyhow. But yeah, the balls didn't weren't taken out of play as much as they are now. There are, the major league baseball is almost telling you without telling you that it's cheaper to pay a pitcher who can throw four innings with than it is an everyday position player. I mean, I've talked Mushy about baseballs and <clears throat> I've talked about there's and the seams and there is an ec, there's an economic aspect. Uh, it's no, uh, no question there is. There is, there is. no question. And people are going to say, well, Jeff, that just means the pitchers get paid more than hitters. Maybe, but there are, you know, there are, just do the numbers and look at the number of the number of offensive players in the game and, and and look at what they're earning. And we've talked about the game going younger and younger and younger. And Major League, listen, don't put it past Major League Baseball to try to control how much money everybody makes before they become a free agent. Once they become a free agent, they got no control. All it just takes is one idiot owner to decide I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a guy sixty five million bucks a year. Once that happens, baseball has no control over it. But, man, you get these guys pre-arb especially, and then it trickles into arbitration. If you can keep the numbers down. It's just funny. We're having talks about the baseball when they raise the minimum. Got to make up for that somehow. How do you make up for it? You do something with the baseball. You don't pay everyday players as much money because, quite frankly, they can't hit the ball as far anymore. Their their mechanics are the exact same way. They're still hitting velocity as much as they were Back then, they still have exit velocities the same as they did last year. Well, why is the ball not going any further? Yeah, why, why, and, why are you messing with the baseball? And when it comes to things like arbitration, that is still the old school numbers that 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 really matter in arbitration. So, um, anyhow, we can. Uh, that, it's it's I, it, part of it might be conspiracy theory, but I've we've been around baseball long enough to know that I don't think 
I don't think stuff accidentally happens when it comes to the baseball. Two plus two is what, Jay? Uh, Not six in baseball. It's four, and it'll always be four. Yeah, you don't have, you don't have to carry right in front of you. I thought it was. Not a trick question. I, I thought you were no, going to say something. I'm not trying something. to trick you. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> Dan Shulman will join us at the top of the hour. Jake Story Alley, host of Talking Baseball and Talking Yanks podcasts on John Boy Media. We'll get you set for tonight's game. First of two, it's just a quickie between the Jays mm-hmm. and the Yankees. Kikuchi and Severino. Tamoris, Jameson, Tyone against Jose Barrios. And the Jays go on to... Tampa Bay. Tomorrow's game is an afternoon game. No Blair and Barker. We will be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following the game, and we'll be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following tonight's game as well. He is the voice of the Blue Jays. He'll be back in the booth for the Yankees series. He is Dan Schulman. He's next. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.